this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast i am amit barua your host for today a brewing crisis is now in the open the taliban are the new government but their attitude towards ethnic assimilation women's participation in society and in a form of government where votes count is still to be known the united states has literally fled the country other western nations most of them part of the g7 which met earlier in the week wanted an extension beyond august 31st so that repatriation flights could continue but us president joe biden put his foot down to discuss the ongoing crisis in afghanistan and its international ramifications we have with us sayed akbaruddin formerly india's permanent representative to the united nations in new york and currently dean of the cotillia school of public policy in hyderabad welcome to in focus akbar thank you very much amit for having me uh, with you this evening my first question to you akbar will we see a new great game commencing in the un security council on how to deal with the taliban so amit the way the state authority in afghanistan collapsed would make one wonder whether the global investment in afghanistan in so many ways was tantamount to building a bridge to nowhere but yes uh, if you look to the future there are several uh, uh, timelines which will uh, require decision making by the security council for example uh, the un mission in afghanistan has to be renewed before the 15th of september Uh, another area is that the taliban sanctions committee had given permission for several leaders of the taliban uh, to uh, uh, to uh, be uh, to waive the sanctions temporarily on several leaders of the taliban in june this was given this expires on 21st september and then there is of course the issue of who will represent afghanistan or whose credentials will the un recognize in afghanistan which comes up again in september when the united nations general assembly will convene so if we look to the future uh, i think there will be many more activities focused on the un whether by then the states concerned will get their acts together that's still uh, open question so uh... as you rightly say there could be many contenders uh, for the afghanistan seat at the uh, at the united nations so uh, amrullah saleh uh, who was the vice president under president ghani he he says that uh, he should be recognized and of course we know that the taliban is in de facto control over most of the major cities and large parts of afghanistan in such a scenario given your vast experience at the united nations what might the security council do then the issue of credentials at the united nations is a matter that is addressed not directly by the security council but by the credentials committee of the united nations general assembly usually uh, it has nine members three are permanent members and usually it has been the us russia and china and six are rotating members uh, uh, who are chosen this selection will be made in uh, september uh, it is this body which will decide on the credentials now uh, there are several options for this body to proceed for example when the 
Taliban was uh, in de facto control of Afghanistan last time. And I'm referring to 1996 to say 2001. The then uh, Northern Alliance, which was led by uh, Rabani, maintained its ambassador and the permanent representative was the representative of the Rabani government, even though the Taliban was in de facto control. This is one option which has worked previously in Afghanistan and perhaps could be resorted to again. There are other options too. For example, the South African option, which means that a a state would be debarred from representing even if it is in de facto control. The racist regime in the apartheid regime in South Africa was explicitly barred from participation in the United Nations. This goes back to the uh, 70s. Then, of course, the final other option is to keep a seat vacant. It has happened previously once when Cambodia, they were competing factions and for a temporary period, the seat was kept vacant. So there are multiple options, uh, I suppose, between now and when these things come to fruition, there will be a lot of activity, give and take, and we will only know nearer the time of which way the situation is evolving internationally in terms of credentials and recognition. Right. You know, the Western powers uh, and, of course, the United States have been dealing with the Taliban. Uh, but um, uh, given the benefit of, uh, you know, real politics, it, it's, it's possible or rather it's likely that the Chinese and the Russians uh, and, of course, the Pakistanis will be more amenable to accommodating and dealing with the Taliban government. Uh, In such a scenario, do you see the importance of uh, the United States and other Western nations coming down a little uh, for Afghanistan? Let's uh, be understanding of the entire spectrum of activities. The U.S. actually entered into an agreement with the Taliban that both sides feel uh, was not adhered to. That's a separate question. So the United States has been engaging with the Taliban consistently, perhaps much more at a practical level than the other countries. So let's not discount that as a factor. True, it will be a matter of negotiation and give and take of what more that the U.S. wants. But from all accounts, I wouldn't discount in a longer term an arrangement that all the big powers work out because big powers have big interests and it is in their interest to have working level relationships. Whether that translates into actual recognition, etc., it's a different uh, ball game. Uh, but I do not see even now the airport in Kabul is obviously there is ground level engagement on a regular basis. That's why it's operational and functional. There is contact between the U.S. and the Taliban at the ground level. Uh, And therefore, I wouldn't think uh, that we should discard totally that the U.S. will be much more reticent in engagement compared to uh, the Russians and the Chinese. So what you're saying is that the U.S. will remain a major player in the politics of Afghanistan. In terms of security, there are no substitutes uh, for engagement Uh, if you feel that ungoverned spaces can be misused by inimical uh, elements. 
and Afghanistan in some ways could be an ungoverned space. Therefore, U.S. security interests will demand some form of keeping an eye or ground level engagement with the de facto authority there. Similarly will be the case of China and Russia. Both are happy that the way the U.S. moved out of Afghanistan uh, was treated as a public diplomacy disaster for the U.S. Uh, it moved the U.S. away from close to their borders. So in those cases, it was a victory for them. But it doesn't immediately translate into greater engagement for certainly for Russia because it's had its own experiences there and for China, which still has concerns about the Taliban and the security threats that can emanate from ungoverned spaces in Afghanistan. Also, we've had several uh, goals being expressed uh, by the U.S. Uh, you know, one was to uh, obviously tackle terror. The other was to eliminate uh, sanctuaries for terrorists. And the third on occasion was even nation building. So uh, uh, given what has happened in Afghanistan, uh, do you think it's time for the international community to introspect and ponder the consequences of armed actions uh, in countries like Afghanistan? I think you've raised a very valid uh, issue that the effort to relay Afghan society uh, or overlay uh, traditional Afghan society with a different layer has not succeeded. And perhaps it indicates to us that development cannot be imported. It can perhaps be encouraged from within. It can be supported and facilitated, but trying to import it is a difficult task. And we've seen these uh, failures being repeated, not only in Afghanistan, but in Iraq too. And the validity of the Taliban's success perhaps indicates to us that the ground realities in developing societies generally trump uh, globalism. So globalists need to be understanding of the situation and certainly introspect. Right. You know, there have been many occasions, as I was saying, where, you know, the, the U.S. changed uh, the goalposts and so on and so forth. You would recall in May 2011, the U.S. eliminated Osama bin Laden in a successful operation in Pakistan. So you think that should have been the time they would, should have said mission accomplished and uh, bid goodbye to Afghanistan? You know, this is a tough call. There could be very many places and one of the situations that you described could perhaps have been a opportunity. But then mission creep is normal in such circumstances. And hindsight is 2020. So we can certainly sit back now and say that perhaps X or Y should have been done. Uh, but uh, I think even you are noticing that even the US withdrawal now is coming in for criticism. So there's never a good time for an exit to take place. Uh, and we need to be understanding that, that the US has put in a lot of pressure and lost a lot of lives. And they've made that calculation perhaps late. Uh, and they are a big country. They are willing to absorb uh, the um, outcome of setbacks and move on. 
Right. I would like to have your views also on uh, one issue, which is that uh, there are two countries that come to my mind, you know, uh, India's uh, intervention uh, in the creation of Bangladesh, where Indian troops went and then came back. And with the Vietnamese uh, intervention in Cambodia or Kampuchea at that time, where the troops went and they didn't stay for very long, they handed over power and they returned to their home countries. Do you think that that kind of model uh, works better than what we've seen in Afghanistan or even in Iraq? Uh, it's true that nation building will have to be an indigenous effort. Uh, and that's what you are uh, mentioning. In fact, look at Bangladesh today and Vietnam. They are both societies which are thriving economically. Their growth rates are uh, a matter of uh, great satisfaction to their leadership and to those who have seen them uh, emerge from very difficult situations. So if I could wind back and say, yes, uh, if there are interventions which are necessary, they need to be limited and they should be specific and address military goals, not nation building goals, because that is a different ball game altogether. Right. Uh, Akbar, you worked as uh, India's representative at the United Nations. And the obvious question that comes to mind uh, to pose to you is, what are India's options in Afghanistan? Uh, obviously, we've heard a lot and correctly that uh, India should wait and watch and see how the situation evolves. But what is your sense as a longtime diplomat who has represented India's interests? What should India be doing at this juncture? Well, uh, it's pretty clear that uh, events in Afghanistan are a setback for uh, India. Uh, in that, we are not the only country. There are several countries who've perhaps faced uh, greater setbacks in the developments there, but it's clearly a setback for India. That said, what could we have done uh, or what do we need to do uh, next? What we, could what we could have done well, you know, there are these uh, views that whether we should have continued our mission. Um, I don't think uh, 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 it is for us right to sit here and um, make that uh, judgment. Because when there is a breakdown of um, uh, central authority, uh, a collapse of state structures, there is very little that diplomats can do. Uh, so um, it was a call that nobody knew would happen. And in that we fail like many others uh, fail to gauge that so we had no choice only the choice was whether it should have been done um, in a more gradu uh, graduated manner or not so swiftly sending back the diplomats but this is only minor so that they, we had no options until then what are our options now um, frankly um, at this stage um, given that we are not a major military player uh, our options are limited. Uh, we will have to work in concert. Uh, lone Rangers uh, are not uh, going to be successful in a venture like re-engagement in Afghanistan in whatever form. Um, uh, should we re-engage with the Taliban? Uh, this is a debate that has been going on for years. Uh, in fact, maybe uh, more than a decade. Uh, and uh, I think there is an acknowledgement now uh, within policy-making circles in India that 
we need to have some form of engagement. What that form is, is only a matter of debate, not that there should be engagement. So that's already on the table. But uh, given the uh, flux that the situation in, is in, there is little uh, that is gained by immediately jumping uh, on a diplomatic path. Uh, we've suffered a setback. Uh, we will need to now look forward to how the situation evolves on the ground in Afghanistan because, as you said, um, even as we speak, there have been um, reports of uh, bomb blasts at the airport. Uh, we do not know what is happening um, in the Panjshir Valley. Uh, we do not know how the Taliban will, um, Taliban 2.0, are they going to be very different from Taliban 1.0? We do not know whether the economic conditions uh, will uh, in any way be tackled because uh, even the best of technocrats will find the situation in Afghanistan extremely challenging to handle. And as for the Taliban, they come with their cupboards totally bare in terms of technological or technical um, people who can assist them. So uh, a crisis seems to be in the making as you started this discussion uh, by elaborating. Uh, in that crisis, um, uh, we will not be able to go alone. We need to work in concert. So we will have to work uh, and we have a good opportunity to do that because we are uh, on the Security Council. We are the chair of the Taliban Sanctions Committee. So we have some purchase that can be uh, leveraged uh, and we will just need to bide our time. Whether you call it strategic uh, patience, whether you call it uh, wait and watch, these are different terms, but I think they all point to the uh, need to be cautious in further uh, 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 moving down further in our approach towards Taliban. The government has done a good thing today by engaging with the opposition. And we have a tradition in India of uh, government and opposition working together on some of the most serious foreign policy issues in the past, whether it was, for example, the CTBT when um, Prime Minister Gujral was there, whether it was other issues, um, it's good that that tradition is now again being resorted to, to try and get all on the same page. Uh, and that's what we need to do. It's going to be a long haul. Uh, India does not have the um, luxury of saying, uh, I can exit from Afghanistan for all times because you can't exit from your neighbors. Engagement with the neighbors is the only way forward. We'll just have to look for better opportunities to engage. Uh, speaking of neighbors, uh, uh, you know, there is a kind of a celebratory mood in our Western neighbor that is Pakistan. And uh, they feel that, uh, you know, it's their moment again uh, uh, in Afghanistan and their influence is obviously going to rise. And this was reflected in the comments made by Prime Minister Imran Khan also. So what is your sense of the gains? Uh, some people are saying that it may not be the you know, the, the Pakistan will also have to bear, uh, uh, you know, the burden of carrying the Taliban along like they did previously. So what in your assessment, what will be the Pakistani strategy and how far will they be able to influence the Taliban in doing whatever they want them to do? Well, 
from a Pakistani perspective, um, they have reason to believe that they have gained strategically, even as several others have uh, been uh, faced with a setback strategically, Pakistan certainly has gained strategically from this outcome. Uh, but then, uh, along with every opportunity come their own challenges. And sure, Pakistan has gained strategically, but um, it, with an Afghanistan in crisis, does Pakistan have the wherewithal to support that Afghanistan in crisis? Pakistan itself is uh, uh, in difficult economic situation. Uh, can it be a bulwark for Afghanistan in such a situation? Um, because Afghanistan's challenges now are those of governance and the Taliban or whoever will take over in Afghanistan will find that this is a totally different area uh, which requires different capabilities rather than uh, military successes or quick uh, movement and gaining um, uh, authority. Uh, I don't know whether Pakistanis have those abilities in, uh, uh, in good measure that they can provide uh, those to Afghanistan. And if they don't, then the blowback is likely to happen. Pakistan is a state with a border with Afghanistan the flow of refugees. You've seen how many refugees are just flowing out of Kabul airport because that's the only uh, pathway out. But in the past, you've seen that when other pathways open or even if they are not open, people will move if they feel fear or threat to their life or economic well-being, etc. So you can certainly expect uh, if there is a humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan, uh, Pakistan will not be, cannot isolate itself from that. Uh, next thing uh, will be um, the spread of a ideology, uh, which clearly uh, is uh, a cause of concern, even in large sections of Pakistan. Um, whether they will meet up there, uh, whether this is in Pakistan's long-term interest, uh, are all issues that will need to be take, uh, taken into account in the longer term. But that's in the longer term. In the short term, certainly Pakistan is a beneficiary. Right. The other thing uh, which I want to ask you, Akbar, before I let you go, is that, uh, uh, you know, the world saw uh, in 1990, you know, how uh, uh, Afghanistan was abandoned, in a sense, uh, by the international community, especially the United States. And then we saw the emergence of uh, terrorist bases and all kinds of groups and uh, terrorist elements were operating with impunity uh, in Afghanistan. Many of them were acting in alliance with the Taliban. So if we see a similar scenario where the West, in a sense, has pulled out, uh, do, you, do you fear that uh, the Taliban will once again uh, or, con or either once again or continue their patronage uh, to these terrorist groups, especially those that are opposed to India? From all that we know of, the Taliban has not expressed a vision of a global approach. They have always been focused on a geographically limited approach of the area that they hail from. Uh, that said, uh, so I do not see them as a, uh, a force that will propagate 
militant uh, views beyond their territories. Uh, however, uh, example is an important factor in others following. And so the Taliban example will obviously embolden other elements globally uh, to um, uh, start uh, thinking in a similar way. But more important than that will be, I don't know whether the Taliban can establish normal control over all parts of its territory. Uh, given their own difficulties, they may not even wish to antagonize elements which are inimical to Indian interests and interests of others. Uh, but uh, And therefore, there certainly will be a danger because we've seen this happen in the past and once bitten is four times shy. Uh, we need to be uh, under, uh, clearly aware that uh, th uh, the territory of Afghanistan could be used in ways which are inimical to India's interests, whether it is by terrorist groups uh, from Afghanistan or from Pakistan moving in there or from uh, or being supported by uh, various agencies from within Pakistan. All these are possible. With or without the support of the Taliban, these are likely to happen. And therefore, from our perspective, that's why it is a strategic setback. It is a um, uh, issue that we need to be concerned about. But the India of 2020 is a different place from the India of the 1990s where we had this situation. Uh, and all these will need to be factored in in our engagement or otherwise with whoever comes to power in Afghanistan. Thank you so much, Sayyid Akbaruddin, for talking to the Hindus In Focus podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Amit. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon. <laughs>